Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. 10 feet tall, 22 feet long. It's a Gorgosaurus skeleton. Going up for auction later this month. It's like a cousin of the T-Rex. It's a full skeleton of the Gorgosaurus. Now, it's the last one or the only one right now that is of private ownership which is why it's going up for auction. Now, the pre-sale estimates for the dinosaur skeleton has been between 5 and $8 million. I'm willing to bet it's going to go for a lot more than that. However, uh, I'd like to have it. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I'm a little short on cash right now. Uh, I have a couple of bucks to put in the pile, but I'm just under that 5 and $8 million total so you know if you'd like to start a gofundme i mean how cool would that be to have that real life skeleton in your house i mean my neighbors have you know the fake ones for halloween and those are pretty cool too but they're not as cool as the real one you have the gorgosaurus skeleton in your house yeah don't mind that yeah and i haven't dusted it in a while (laughs) some cobwebs in the ribs there so i don't mind those that'd be awesome to have that uh, no doubt about it so listen maybe if i start to go fund me you know i mean i'll still share your pictures and everything and let you come and see it and take a look at it and just you know hey there's my gorgosaurus whoa easy welcome welcome to chewing the fat so i missed it again uh the running of the bulls I know. I I would like to, well, be there for it. Not necessarily, I'm not going to be running in front of the bulls or beside the bulls, hoping to get gored from a bull. But uh, it's finally back. It took a couple years hiatus uh, because of uh, COVID. And uh, Pamplona in Spain uh, had it back and up and running this year. I mean, the city is like a couple hundred thousand people. And, I mean, millions show up, or at least a million do. I mean, it just uh, explodes. There's, It's a big holiday over there. I think it's, uh, I think it's a several-day festival that goes on. But especially, you know, over the weekend, because people show up and they want to, you know, party and then wait for the whole two and a half minutes of the bull run. <laughs> now... This year, uh, no one uh, no one got stomped, trampled, or shoved to the cobblestone pavement. I mean, pavement. Well, I mean, what's, that's part of the fun. That's what you're there for, right? I guess an animal's horn smacked at least two men in the head. Uh, neither suffered a securing. Uh, the hospital said six people were brought in for treatment. Uh, one American who fractured his left arm. 16-year-old Spanish boy lost part of a finger. In, in the bull ring, apparently there was a big pile up at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure that out, man. When they open up the gates, you got to figure it out. Otherwise, you know, you get that 
a big clog. You don't know what's going on. So he lost a finger. Very sad. And uh, they, it, it would be fun. I'm not going to run with them. No way. But it would be fun to be there. When you watch the, the, the footage, it's not the same. I mean, we've all seen the videos of the bull run and people getting, you know, gored and what happens to them. It's, uh, you know, that's been quite a ride for them. I mean, it wasn't, they canceled the last couple of years because of COVID, but it hadn't been canceled since, uh, the 1930s, uh, the Spanish civil war. It would just be fun to be there. Look, it happens every day during this festival. So this was the first of eight. It just happened uh, yesterday. Uh, first of eight scheduled. And then you just party. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's got to be. It's a blink of an eye, right? I mean, the, uh, the bulls go by. The whole thing is a couple minutes, three minutes long, maybe. Something like that. So depending on where you're at uh, on the run. You, you know, behind the boards or up on balconies, you know, you only get that 30 seconds, maybe a little bit more depending on, you know, do, uh, again, depending on where you're at, where you're observing. So, uh, you know, it goes by pretty fast. So you need to be there for the whole festival. So you get to see one every day. Now, I know that animal rights activists have been all over ending this bull run because what happens at the end uh, you know, they, they run the bulls, they run each morning and then they kill them in the afternoon by bullfighters. <laughs> so, I mean, you're looking at what? 48 bulls for the entire festival go down, right? Cause six bulls, six bulls a day. So I mean, well, you know, look, it's a bull humans first. That's a chewing the fat law. You know that. That's actually the first of the chewing the fat fat laws. Uh, humans first. So, you know, I get that we're using these animals for our, you know, enjoyment. And then the bullfighting thing is something I'm not quite sure I understand. But, you know, it's a thing. So you can quote me on that. It's a thing. So why not, uh, you know, let it happen? I mean, this first run, no one got gored. I mean, a little, uh, you know, uneventful. Eight people were gored during the last festival in 2019. 16 people have died in the bull runs since 1910. The last death, according to this, uh, happened in 2009. Plus, there's seven more. Seven more runs to go. So we could still get some gore and set a record this year in 2022 for being, you know, the worst bull run year ever. There's always hope. Always hope. Like the uh, Texas inmate who was sentenced to be executed on the 13th of July, 2022. If you're listening live, today is the 7th of July, 2022. Uh, he has been found guilty and he's all, you know, the whole process is, is done. He's asking now uh, to get a reprieve for 30 days because he wants to be considered a living donor to someone who is in urgent need of a kidney transplant. Oh, okay. So we want to just kind of postpone the old execution until we can take his kidney or until he can give his kidney. Oh, okay. Now, according to all people around him, uh, they claim there's been, uh, you know, there's no doubt 
that his desire to be an altruistic kidney donor is not motivated by a last-minute attempt to stop or delay his execution. Right. Okay, even if that's so. Um, we'll make it happen. Why? I mean, can't we just hop-sing on that? <laughs> I mean, are we... Do we know? I feel like we don't know that there's a, a person that needs his kidney. Right? So he said the inmate can be considered a living donor to someone who is in urgent need of a kidney transplant. So they don't have anyone in mind yet. He's just saying, hey, uh, that's a good idea. I can uh, you know, postpone my execution if I say I'll give my kidney away to someone who needs it. So they need the time to do all the tests to find someone who does it. Why haven't we done that already? I mean, we should be doing that to every person on death row uh, that should just be a done deal <laughs> i'm sorry that should not be up to you now that, i know that's a big fight but uh that you're on death row we're going to execute you oh and by the way uh you've been uh, healthy enough to uh in the last few years here on death row you've got uh, some body parts that we're going to use and uh that's just the way it is and we're going to go ahead and take them before we execute you that's <laughs> uh, probably not going to go over well but uh, we'll see if that actually happens because I have a feeling that Governor Abbott is going to say mm, how about no but there is always hope for Ramiro Gonzalez so again there's always hope oh yeah oh that is the most beautiful sound in the world. That's the sound of the best bacon ever cooking in a frying pan. And that comes from moinkbox.com. Uh, the best bacon I have ever tasted. I like knowing where my meat comes from. You can quote me on that. And with Moink, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm, you know, like our grandparents did. And as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel, well, it says here you can feel good. You can feel great knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent too. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets bacon hello and there's so much more plus you can cancel at any time i uh, one of the most uh, the one of the most fun things that happens is when the moink box gets delivered <laughs> it's so awesome to open it up and see what you have and what you're going to be enjoying for the next little bit with the, the ribeyes and the bacon and the salmon fillets and the pork chops. I mean, it's just a, it's a fun feeling to know that you have that ready to go in your home. 
and it comes right to your door. I didn't have to go anywhere. It's right there. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. Hello, so did podcast host Jeff Fisher from Chewing the Fat. And Ring Doorbell founder Jamie Simonoff jumped at the chance to invest in Moink. They guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. And what will happen is you'll be opening up the box when it comes to your home and you'll be saying, you know what? Oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Keep American farming going by signing up to moinkbox.com slash Jeffy right now. Listeners to this show get free filet mignon in every order for a year. One year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, spell moink, M-O-I-N-K, spell it with me, M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com slash Jeffy, moinkbox.com slash Jeffy. Now, back to the soothing sounds of Moinkbox Bacon cooking in a frying pan. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Okay, first, let's start with Hulu. I thanked them uh, last week for dropping uh, the first two episodes of Only Murders in the Building. And I assumed, and you know what happens when we assume, uh, that they were going to give us two episodes each week. Uh -uh, Wrong. They only dropped one episode this last week. Hulu, come on, man. You're killing me. At least you could, the least you could do is drop two a week, but you know, whatever. Very, very disappointing that they're only going to continue to drop one episode a week of only murders in the building. Still really good though. (laughs) I see where, uh, James Cameron uh, doesn't want anybody whining about the length of his film, the new uh, Avatar 2. Uh, he uh, did an interview with uh, Empire Magazine and said, I don't want anybody whining about the length when they sit and binge watch television for eight hours. It's like, give me a break. I've watched my kids sit and do five one-hour episodes in a row. So, guess that means Avatar 2 is going to be a long movie. I mean, the first Avatar was over two hours as well, right? So, I mean, Avatar 3 is probably going to be three hours or, I mean, it can't be longer than three hours, right? I mean, what's the long, 310 maybe, something like that? Holy cow. Uh, But he says, don't quit your whining. (laughs) Here's the deal, James. There's a little bit different uh, binge watching uh, shows and watching long movies at home. Uh, the reason that people don't complain is because we have a thing in our homes called the pause button. And we're able to pause. And we can take a phone call. We can tweet something, a news story. We can read a story. We can go to the bathroom. We can grab a snack and come back to our chair and push play. <laughs> or hit the pause button again, depending on how your remote works. And what you're watching starts up again. <laughs> So you're able to be there. So it looks like you're sitting in the same spot for eight hours doing the same thing, but you're not really. (laughs) So cut it off. I mean, this guy, James Cameron, is such a douche. And 
I know. I I get it. I have a feeling that I I didn't even think this movie would be made. I mean, this movie is, well, I don't know how much money he spent on it. A billion dollars? Who knows? I don't know. But it's going to be, I don't know that it's going to be the monster hit at theaters that they think, especially after the first weekend and how long it is. But it'll be huge, uh, you know, on all the streaming services, or whatever, however it's released and, and that way. And I'm sure James doesn't care about the little people and doing a streaming deal. He'll want you to pay top dollar from here to eternity to watch his stupid movie. But that's the thing. The movie will be great on the streaming devices because we'll be able to pause it and say, okay, I'm going to go do something and then come back and finish it. That's the thing. And the first Avatar was kind of that way. I mean, you can just put it on and let it go. And there's a couple times where that's a movie that you just put on and you just kind of leave it on while you're doing other stuff. <laughs> That's how good it was, James. That's how good it was. I put it on and I would just do other stuff. So that every so often I look up at the screen and go, oh yeah, this is a cool part. And I watch the part and then I go back to doing whatever I was doing. So anyway, as far as James Cameron is concerned, quit your whining. When the movie comes out in December, he doesn't want to hear it. Okay? Just go to the movie and shut up. Speaking of the movies, I haven't seen Lightyear yet, and I probably, you know, I, I may or may not see it if it goes up on one of the streaming services in the future. I'm not going to go out of my way to go to a movie theater and see it. But I always questioned how you have Buzz Lightyear without Tim Allen as his voice. I mean, Buzz Lightyear is Tim Allen. That's the whole thing. They've had you know, three or four movies. He's Buzz Lightyear. Hello. It'd be like having Woody without Tom Hanks. Just doesn't seem to happen. Now, this latest one, uh, Tom Hanks actually spoke out about Tim Allen uh, not being uh, in the movie. Uh, They claim that, uh, you know, hey, look, Chris Evans voiced the iconic character because, uh, look, the character change was necessary because the Buzz Lightyear character needed to be less goofy, Tim's version of Buzz is a little goofier and is a little dumber, and so he is comic relief. In this film, Buzz is the action hero. He's serious and ambitious and funny, but not in a goofy way that would undercut the drama. Chris Evans has the gravitas of that movie star quality that our character needed to separate him from the movie when from Tim's version of the toy in Toy Story. Well, here's the deal. I think Tim could have pulled that off. But uh, you never gave him the chance, and that still left Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, a younger Buzz, prior to him becoming, you know, funny, the comic relief. But uh, Tom was asked about it, and he said, uh, you know, hey, uh, I don't understand why Allen was not cast for one of his signature roles. Yeah, hello. Uh, you know, he's Hanks obviously is up against Buzz Lightyear with Elvis. And uh, he said he loved being, he was looking forward to being up against head to head with Tim Allen and doesn't understand why that happened. Yeah, the world doesn't understand. And I see that, uh, you know, they keep saying, is it a flop or isn't it a flop? It's made $191 million. According to According to this, it's made box office mojo, it's made $191,739,266. Worldwide. Um, now that uh, you'd say, wow, that's pretty good. It's made over 100 million domestically, 84 million, you know, in uh, 
uh, globally, that's pretty good. And then you look, uh, according to this, they had a $200 million budget. Uh, that means that it is a failure. Uh, they didn't make more than, they haven't made more than their budget. Now, they'll end up making more than their budget with, uh, you know, streaming rights and merchandise and, uh, you know, all that stuff. I get it. But not having it come out on top like that at the theaters. It's been at the theaters, what, two or three weeks now? And you got uh, Minions out. So, uh, you know, Bud Lightyear is going to go away. So there you go. There's the choice you made. The choice you made to dump Tim Allen and uh, it cost you. Cost you big. Now, they asked Allen, uh, you know, hey, uh, how come you remain silent? What's the deal? And he said, I stayed out of it because it has nothing to do with Buzz Lightyear. This whole new team really had nothing to do with the first movies. And he said that he originally thought Lightyear would be a live action movie, but was surprised to learn it is an animated film. Uh, he also knocked the film for not including Woody. It just doesn't seem to have any connection to the toy. Alan said, as the new movie, there's really no toy story. Buzz without Woody. Interesting, isn't it? I do get the idea of wanting to break away. Uh, from Toy Story and focus on specific, you know, the specific toy. But it just, you know, you've built such an iconic character with Tim Allen as his voice. And to make that go away, that cost you. And by you, I mean Disney. But no big deal because uh, the CEO, Bob Chapek, like, he's struggling, okay? His uh, base salary is only $2.5 million. So he's, uh, you know, this year with bonuses, it's going to pull in probably about $20 million. <laughs> So life's tough for Bob. And that's what happens when you make dumb calls. And uh, you talk about uh, going uh, the Florida don't say gay law. And uh, the just, he made some bad calls. And that's why he... And uh, Iger don't like each other because Iger's like, oh, I, don't know. I could do it for you. No problem. I can run this joint. No, they're both going to be in a fight at their uh, hoity-toity meeting there at the Sun Valley Conference this week. Should be good. But anyway, just so you you know, maybe shed a little tear for Bob, uh, the CEO of Disney, because uh, he's only going to bring in about twenty million this year. I know. I know. I know. Sad. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know, I talk a lot about a, bad, a lot of bad people on this show. So when uh, there's a good person, heck yeah, we should absolutely talk about it. Corian Evans uh, jumped into action, saved four people when a vehicle drove off a boat launch in Pascagoula River in Mississippi. I mean, the guy, this kid is a hero. So he is standing there uh, on Interstate 10 boat launch that, uh, you know, ends up in the Pascagoula River. And a car drives in and begins to sink 
They drove straight under the water, Evans said, like only a little bit of the car was still above water. With that, Evans said that he tossed off his shoes, shirt, and phone and jumped into the river. I was just like, I can't let none of these folks die. They need to get out of the water. So I just started getting them. I mean, the kid's a Pascagoula high school student. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about nothing else. Evans had uh, added that uh, (laughs) he was behind them trying to keep them above water and swim with them at the same time. So, and then he wasn't the only hero of the morning. One of his friends, K.J. Bradley, Karen, K.J. Bradley, I guess it's Karen, right? K-A-R-O-N, K.J. Bradley, jumped in as well and helped get the girls to the top of their vehicle. Amazing. So I guess this kid's been swimming forever. He said he's been swimming since he was three years old and he helped bring the three girls to shore. But then he sees a police officer who jumped in and tried to help. And the police officer looked like he was going to start drowning and started hollering for help. So I went back out there and I grabbed the police officer and I'm like swimming him back until I feel myself I can walk. Uh, incredible. He said the victims, you know, he talked in the interview, he talked about the victims were throwing up because they had a lot of water get inside them all. And it was a lot of swimming. He said his legs were tired. Um, anything could have been in that water, though, but I wasn't thinking about that. So he saved the police officer and he saved the three girls, he and his friend. Incredible. Heroes. 100% heroes. Now, I and I say that only because if that were me, I mean, I would want someone like Corey and Evans to come and help save me if, it, you know, if you go into the drink like that. But if I'm in the shoes of Corey and Evans, um, you probably aren't going to make it. And I know that's mean. It's mean. But if I'm standing there on the shore and the car goes in, and you see it, you know, all the way under, you're thinking, man, somebody ought to jump in. Oh, stop it. I would at least make it look like I was trying to get in and save them. (laughs) You see where there's a new, uh, it's called the pre-drinking pill called uh, Merkel, M-Y-R-K-L. It promises to uh, make you not have a hangover, I guess. Uh, but the way they talk about it, it sounds like you could get pretty drunk and still be okay. I don't know how it works in the uh, DUI checkpoints. Uh, it spares you from alcohol remnants that give you a hangover in the first place. Okay, so uh, it says that you'll be headache-free the next day. Okay, I mean they claim it costs about a buck fifty a pill. Uh, so that's, uh, they say not expensive, but buck 50 a pill. Well, if you're a drinker, big deal, right? All I have to do is just take two pills. So now you're up to three bucks, three bucks a night. Uh, take two pills, at least an hour before drinking. Once you've taken them, the pills use a few types of bacteria to break down the alcohol in your gut so that your liver doesn't have to do it for you. Merkel claims that the pill can zap up to 70% of the alcohol in your body after 60 minutes transforming it into harmless water and carbon dioxide. Oh, you know, is this one of those things that just isn't true? I guess you can get it in the UK now. Uh, The Swedish company behind it claims the pill has been independently clinically tested. Has it? (laughs) Oh, well, they claim it. So that's true. Yeah. 
That's absolutely. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, we'll see if their uh, if their data holds up. But uh, I guess British pharmacies are refusing to stock it. So you get to buy a bottle of 30 pills online. Why won't they sell? It's a product. Sell the stupid product. Well, they don't know what it's going to do to you in the long run, right? There's no studies. Every, every, all these pills have side effects anyway. So if you're a drinker and you want to ease up on the drinking and the hangovers, you're going to take it no matter what, right? I wonder what, how the interaction is between other drugs. See, that's the thing. Uh, we're in a, you know, we're in a big thing these days, uh, that, uh, you know, the interaction between all the other drugs that we're taking is a big deal and nobody's looking at that. So I don't want to get into, you know, that health talk, but that's a big deal and it should be looked at for sure, but it's not because the drug companies only care about what a particular drug does, but they don't have to look at what a particular drug does when it hooks up with other drugs they leave that to the doctors to say oh yeah no the last time i gave that pill and that pill to one of my patients yeah it didn't work out so well so maybe you ought to not take those together but they claim look it's just a supplement and we're not trying to jump through any fda hoops yet i mean this is just in europe so i don't know that i could get it shipped here to the u.s probably i mean it's the internet and online you can pretty much get anything so <laughs> well, if you could give it a shot uh depending on where you're at in the world to get the old merkel pre hangover pill and give it a shot and see how it works <laughs> don't worry about it. you're already getting drunk what does it matter right right I mean, you can get anything online. I see where, uh, you know, I guess congratulations are in order. Amazon and Grubhub are hooking up. So if I, I, mean, I may use this actually, but uh, I'm a little disappointed that it doesn't mean I can get free food. It just means that uh, Amazon and uh, Grubhub are teaming up. So you can use your Prime account and sign up for, and this is something that Grubhub just started. It's called Grubhub Plus. I must have missed the memo on everything having to be called Plus, but everything does have to be called Plus. I may have to start a, you know, a channel chewing the fat Plus. Uh, <laughs> I guess it, that's what we need to do. Anyway, uh, the company will send free deliveries for a year. So Amazon has agreed to take stake in Grubhub over the next few years. So if I have a Prime membership or you have a Prime membership, you can get free Grubhub Plus unlimited $0 food deliveries from restaurants. Now, that doesn't, I mean, you still have to pay for the food. I mean, what kind of deal is that? Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. So really, this is under who died today. Who died today? The Georgia Guidestones. Uh, amazing. They were exploded. <laughs> they were put a bomb uh, and they exploded. They all didn't go down. And so the government came in and finished it off. And uh, they had to knock it down. You know, for safety reasons, of course. So, I mean, the... 19-foot-high monument displays the 10-part message. You know, it's Americans, America's Stonehenge. And I can't remember if we talked about it or not. I remember reading about it not long ago because it was a, it's a fascinating story. The names of four ancient languages are inscribed on the sides near the top, the Babylonian and the cuneiform and classical Greek, Sanskrit, Egyptian hieroglyphics. And nobody knows really who sponsored it, who took care of who got it there. And it's kind of cool because it had a it had a hole uh, in the one structure that the sun came through at uh, you know in the day's date on an engraving every day at noon. So the sun would come through that hole and it would give you the date. Kind of cool, right? And it had the uh, it had the rules, right? The ten part message in eight different languages maintain humanity under 500 million and perpetual balance with nature right 500 million i think that's right got five five zero 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 i feel like joe biden guide reproduction wisely improving fitness and diversity unite humanity with the living new language rule passion faith tradition and all things with tempered reason protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. I mean, okay. <laughs> I don't know that I disagree with that. Uh, I guess if you break it down, you probably do. Remember the story? The guy went to the... Uh, there was one guy that went to the quarry and uh, commissioned the stones. And then a separate person or another person bought the property under a pseudonym name of the property. And then it was just like they appeared. Uh, really, it was, it was a fascinating story, uh, the guide stones. But they're gone now. We lost them. They're, I know. It's very sad. <laughs> Uh, so who knows if they're going to be replaced are they able to even be replaced can we get the granite in today's world to make that happen like that I don't know but uh, rest in peace uh, the Georgia Guidestones America's Stonehenge dead at the age of what 42 it was unveiled in 1980 wow so it wasn't around that long also, rest in peace to Bradford Freeman, a World War II veteran who was the last living member of the famed Band of Brothers Company. He has, uh, he has passed away at the age of 97. He enlisted in the military in 1942. He volunteered to become a paratrooper for the Army. Um, they assigned him to Company E, 506 Paratroop Infantry Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division. Known as Easy Company. <laughs> uh, he parachuted into Normandy, France on D-Day. He did uh, Band of Brothers, the award-winning HBO series. Uh, he was, according to this, you know, of course, he was a kind and generous and humorous individual. 
um, he said that uh, me and my buddies did a job for America. Now it's time for the new faces to take up the cause. Uh, he recounted his experience in the war in an interview with American Veterans Center in 2018, describing his time in Europe holding a town for the Allies during the Battle of the Bulge and getting injured in the leg along with another man from Pennsylvania. Wow. I mean, uh, Freeman was hit by a blast of a screaming Mimi, a nickname for the German rocket fire. <laughs> I don't know, but it came in hollering and then it exploded. He got a purple heart for being wounded in that battle. Uh, just incredible, uh, these guys. And he was one of them that just, uh, you know, do we have a new face? Well, we definitely have new faces for America, for the American cause. But are they the faces that we want? Uh, I guess they'll have to be, won't they? They will have to be. Bradford Freeman, last living member of the famed Band of Brothers Company from World War II. Rest in peace, dead at 97 years of age. And congratulations are in order to Betty Nash, the oldest and longest serving flight attendant in the world. That's according to Guinness. So another world record holder that I am not holding. (laughs) Betty is 86 years old. She started flying back in 1957. So she's going to celebrate 65 years in flight this fall. Pretty amazing. She can choose any route she wants. And uh, she's been, uh, she continues to do New York, Washington, Boston shuttle. She does that route because she says it allows her to be home every night with her handicapped son, who she continues to care for to this day. Amazing. When she first started flying, I mean, some of the stuff she talks about those days are do not come back. Uh, Passengers bought life insurance from a vending machine before boarding, and the airline would check on her uh, at home to ensure she wasn't living with a man because flight attendants had to be single. The airline also weighed her before shifts and could suspend her if she gained too much weight. What happened to those days? (laughs) I don't know, fat man. Why don't you tell me? You had to be a certain height. You had to be a certain weight. used to be horrible. You put on a few pounds and you had to keep weighing yourself. And then you, if you stayed that way, they would take you off the payroll. Think about it. (laughs) She started flying with Eastern Airlines. I was thinking, I've flown Eastern Airlines. Uh, through she did uh, Donald Trump Airlines in the 80s then ended up at American Airlines uh, she said uh, pass, paid passengers used to pay flight attendants when they boarded the plane I've actually done that uh, I forget what the name of the airline was but I have paid on board like that uh, we used to pass out cigarettes and matches on the flight after the meal service I would go around with Kent's and Marlboro's man those are good times huh Old plane stinking of cigarettes. Ooh. She said she still attends regular flight attendant training. I would hope so. It's the law. Duh. <laughs> man, I can remember smoking on airplanes. I can remember uh, thinking, man, this is not good. I mean, I was smoking. I was a smoker. And I remember they had the little ashtrays in the in the armrest. And, you, you know, they had sections, the smoking sections, which, I mean... Come on now. 
and but it's just i remember i remember actually lighting one up on an airplane once and thinking no i can't do this and i put it out i didn't i did not smoke the whole thing but i've been on planes with people you know going hey this is a smoking section i can smoke i can do what i want i'm smoking i always felt that way in cars too just i mean you watch and you remember how life was i mean my grandfather my seriously my serious real grandfather used to smoke all the time he was a smoker right i mean he would smoke and he and he was raised in the days of smokers smoke wherever they want and that's what you do i mean it's just incredible how we how we lived i mean the houses were all full of smoke and you know i could remember airing the house out my grandma always wanting to air out the house and i mean i could still see my grandfather take i used to spend the summers with my grandparents which you know I, I loved and, and just we could talk about that forever but I remember you know we always did it was nap time you take a little break you go home for lunch or if you're at home you stop working whatever you're doing uh, you know whatever whatever garden work whatever repair work you're doing around the house like you know fixing the screens painting the house painting the fences hoeing the garden making sure the flowers are right mowing the lawn trimming the trees and making sure everything is right along the banks of the river. Not that I was there to do summer work for my grandparents all summer long, but got to take a break. It's lunchtime. So uh, you go in, you take, you have your lunch, you sit down in a chair, you take a little bit of a break, and I could still, I could still see my grandfather sitting in his chair with his uh, little duck ashtray and that cigarette buddy. He'd light a cigarette, he'd take a couple of puffs, and then he'd put his hand down, and the cigarette would be burning between his fingers, you know up in the air like a like a candle out of his hand and then he would fall asleep and i could remember watching that cigarette burn all the way down to the filter and then there's just this long ash sitting there on that filter and he's sound asleep and he would wake up and he would go oh and he would lift his hand up straight and turn it to the side so the whole thing fell in the ashtray it didn't fall over onto the onto the floor or the chair most times and at least the times i remember it didn't happen it went right into the ashtray and i gotta go and up we'd go and off we would go and you know of course then he'd fire up another cigarette because that one's been sitting there for quite some time (laughs) but you don't get those those days are uh, long gone oh yeah there's still people i guess they're smoking in their homes they're you know your your home is your castle so if you smoke and you want to smoke in your house bless your heart Uh, good for you but I've told you the story about when, uh, you know, in my smoking days, we went to a party next door uh, and they were friends. They became friends of ours forever. But I remember when they opened up the door to let us in, I mean, the smoke from their house just smashed us in the face. And at that time, my wife and I, uh, my first wife and I were, you know, both smoking in the house. And uh, we came home from the party. We didn't say anything. We opened up the windows. <laughs> that was the last time that we smoked in the house. Because it was like, holy cow. If that's what their house smells like, then that must be what our house smells like. And that cannot happen. So we you know, was, we were smoking outside after that. I know. Really weird. I feel like I shouldn't have given in. But what are you going to do? Stop smoking? <laughs> Okay, I know the music just played and the podcast is over, but we do have breaking news. As I'm 
turning my microphone off. Who died today? Edition, James Kahn, the legendary actor. I mean, the Godfather, Brian Song, Playboy Mansion. <laughs> James Kahn, 82 years old, has passed away. We're just receiving news of that. Very sad. It hasn't, uh, they haven't released what he died from. Uh, I mean, he was 82 and he lived a heck of a life. So I'm not sure if there were other illnesses uh, plaguing James or not. The family appreciates uh, all the heartfelt condolences and asks that you respect their privacy during this difficult time. I mean, he's got five kids, I believe. And uh, I don't know that he was married yet again. He was married his, uh, his last wife. I believe, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was married to her until 2009. So for the past few years, I don't think he's had a wife, but I'm sure there's been some sort of female in his life, as always. He has yeah five kids. Um, so anyway, James Kahn, uh, you'll be hearing about it everywhere, uh, has passed away at the age of 82. Rest in peace, James Kahn. Okay, thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.